Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. You uh, you said you're doing some chimney work. I don't I don't you know most people don't have real chimneys that you can put wood in. So what what year's the house? It's about uh, 1970, I think, and um, it's a townhouse. I just moved in, and it's getting a little chilly here, so I'm getting ready to fire up the fireplace. That's cool. I love a real fire. It's super yes. awesome, awesome to have those. I haven't had a house with a real fire since I lived in Connecticut uh, uh, some years back. We had a real fireplace and. Uh, Takes takes a little bit of work. You got to you got to kind of know what you're doing. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I figured it out though. I got I got to chop some wood too. <laughs> I like yeah, that wood. right. Do you have like a splitter? Do you, do you just I buy? Do, it I have or? just I have an axe, you know, and I just kind of really um, yeah have a little fun chopping some wood. <laughs> Man, you're back. Is your back okay when you do that? It's all right. Yeah, I'm not too. You know, I don't go too crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You got to, well, you're my age. You graduate, you graduated. I graduated 85. I saw you graduate age four high school. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, I've been man, that was a different world compared to the world we're in now. Wasn't it my friend? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything's different. Yeah. You know, Com- completely think about how many things have changed since then, you know, in, in my life and everybody's life, things are just a lot different. Well, I always tell uh, my friends, we'll get in, we'll get into the cannabis industry and stuff with the Panther group. But I always tell people, I said, look, look, here's the deal. When I was in college, there was only two kinds of two kinds of weed, right? There was, there was the weed you had, or you didn't have weed. And that was it. There were no flavors and I don't know, you know, the names and strains. Like, I don't, maybe there was, I don't remember any of that growing up in Oklahoma. It was just like Johnny had weed or he didn't, that was it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you never knew what it was called and you never knew. No, yeah. No, you just got no. it. And there were a lot of stems, a lot of stems, never really knew how high you were going to get. You're like, okay, well, whatever. I don't know. I've had five beers anyway. So, you know, yeah. Uh, this is a completely different world. Uh, yeah. com- com- completely different world. You know, we had to stuff, we had to stuff the little towels underneath the doors in the, in the dorm room at the college, make sure this, yeah. you know, cracked the window. Yeah. No, it's just hiding it from everybody. <laughs> Now we don't have to hide anymore. Uh, right. Uh, it's, a, I'm still getting used to that. I, I was in, I was in Denver. I've told this story on the podcast before I was in Denver with a client of ours. Cause we're, you know, we're a recruiting firm. So we recruit for all kinds of industries, but cannabis is one of them. And we had this big cannabis client. We'd placed a bunch of people there. Anyway, we're taking the CEO out to dinner and after dinner, he just stepped, we just stepped right out on the street and he just, he just lights up right there. Yeah, And I still remember, I was, I was kind of like, you know, like, like looking around, I was kind of nervous about it. <laughs> it's I know. A, it's a totally different world, man. Totally it's different changing. world. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, tell us about Scott. Uh, you know, 
family, personal life early on, where you grew up, some stuff like that. Go for it. Sure. So I grew up in outside of Philadelphia, PA, uh, Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, and um, still live in this area in the suburbs here. Um, grew uh, I have two daughters who are one's in a teacher, kindergarten teacher, she's uh, 24, and the other's a sophomore in college. Cool. So super proud of my girls and they've grown up and, and yeah, they're, they're doing great. And, uh, you know, um, so I've been living here forever and I got involved in uh, the jewelry business in the early days out of college. I got okay. into a family jewelry business and um, about five or 10 years into it, I started uh, thinking about the web and I got a built a website and learned how to do AdWords to sell jewelry. So that was like kind of the early part of my career was uh, learning online advertising to sell jewelry items. Uh, for somebody else, you were working for somebody else or you were working for a family? family business. We actually manufactured jewelry, my dad's business. Yep. Oh, oh really? Really? Yeah. Really? What was it? Was your grandfather also in it or your dad started? Uh, no, just my dad's business. Yep. Um, we actually made jewelry and sold it to stores and sold really? it in catalogs. Yep. So we, we, cra we were craftsmen and, um, you know, wow. It was, wow. yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then so your dad day, was like, you, your dad was like, hey, listen, figure out how to get, figure out how to get this shit on this 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 thing called the internet. Like, figure out how. To... <laughs> well, it was it was, you know it was a really interesting evolution, and it took a long time. But you know, we sold through traditional retail stores and through catalogs, and then I I was like, you know, why don't we sell it online? And I learned how to do AdWords and started buying that? keywords uh, for jewelry. And about that? you know, a couple hundred dollars a month, and all of a sudden it was it was outpacing anything we were doing in terms of sales. And so uh, pretty soon I was you know like okay, let me just go down this path a little bit more and see what else I can do. How about that? You were selling direct to the consumer, so you were you you got in direct to consumer retail basically or e-commerce. Wow. Okay. What's your wholesale customer? Were your wholesale customers like, Hey, what the hell are you doing? Were you pissing off your wholesale? They didn't really know because they weren't okay. really internet savvy and they didn't care much as much. Gotcha. You know, so, but over time that became more of an issue in the beginning. It wasn't. Uh -huh. Now wholesale or excuse me, a jewelry manufacturer. What, what is that? So what do you like get, you get like bulk gold in and shape it or like, what does that mean? I don't know what that yeah. means. Yeah, so basically, that's it, Steve. We would get we would get uh, gold like in raw form, either sheets of gold or pebbles of gold, and we would melt it and we would put it into wax carvings. So oh. lost wax casting is something we did a lot of, where we would make rings and, and necklaces from scratch using wax and then pouring gold into them. Wow. Okay, that's a cool. How about like diamonds in bulk too? And you're like fitting well, the diamonds in. Yes. Yes. We were setting hundreds of diamonds into rings and necklaces and things wow. like that. Yes. Wow. Is this so pretty secure? Pretty... I'm guessing, I'm guessing this is a secure operation. Your warehouse had lots of security, I'm guessing. We did. Yes. And there were police on, on the corner. I was in a jewelry <laughs> district, so there was a heavy police presence and uh, it was very secure, but it was, you know, yeah, it, diamonds are easy to steal. So we, we were very careful. <laughs> Yeah, right. Loss prevention. And that was like a huge must have been a huge part of your 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 culture it had to be. Yes, absolutely. Oh, OK, so you worked for your dad or your family business and then walk us through the rest of your career a little bit. Go for it. Yeah, sure. So um, I started to do AdWords for other people. Um, jewelry oh. business was, was kind of difficult those days. So I started hustling around. Okay. I was selling diamonds online for other people. And then mm -hmm. I just started really getting into AdWords. And I started talking to other friends who had businesses. 
And they all said the same thing. I built a website. I'm not getting enough traffic. Can you help me? Okay. And so I started getting hired by a guy that did landscape architects, guy that did medical alarm buttons. And, you know, all these different friends of mine had companies and they started hiring me to do their AdWords. Hmm. So after like the eighth or ninth time, the light bulb went off and I said, AdWords consultant, that might be a, a good move for me. Okay. Um, unfortunately, at the time, the same time, my father also had gotten very sick over time. And, you know, it was a tough time. So I needed to transition into something else. And so I got into AdWords full time. This was about 2007 or okay. so. Okay. And then in 2008, um, I was fortunate enough to co-found a company called Audience Partners. And right. the idea there was to do politics online. So what does that mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Political campaigns online. So back in, in those days, right before Obama ran, about 2% of a political budget was spent online. Most of it was spent on television, radio and print. We figured that it would change. We knew that online advertising had taken market share in every other vertical. Uh -huh. And so we knew we knew that it would take, you know, political advertising. There was a lot of waste in it. Okay. So we started the idea of geofencing zip codes for AdWords. Okay. So if you had a congressional race, you only had to show the ads in the zip codes where you were running. You didn't have to show them in other places. And this was a huge advantage over television advertising. Mm -hmm. So what we did then was we created a data-driven programmatic ad engine. We took every registered voter. So we did offline to online data matching. Okay. We took every registered voter in the country we matched those to cookies, device IDs, and cable boxes. And so we did addressable voter targeted advertising for, for a long time. And we became leaders in that space, um, you know, early on and we got a patent on it. And oh, really? really? Yeah. So we were pioneers in political advertising online. How about that? How did you get to client? What did you do? Go to like the Democratic Party in a certain state or county and like pitch your service? Or how did that work? Uh, a lot of it happened through Washington, D.C., actually. We went down there. We opened an office on Capitol Hill oh. and we started walking around Congress and selling them on advertising, targeted advertising. Now, I can just imagine what some of those conversations are. You're walking around on Capitol Hill. There's there's a senator or whatever. And you're like, hey, man, hey, guy, I got this. I got this this tool, this service that's going to help you get reelected here. Here's my card. Let's talk. Yeah. And they were like, what's that? How does that work? Well, I don't understand. Like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, it was very simple, though. When you're running a television ad, you're serving an ad to everybody in the area, including places where you're not running. Right. But when you're running a digital advertising on, on the Internet, you're running specifically to that cookie target or that zip code or that audience member. So we would target a Republican registered female voter with one ad and a Democratic male voter with another ad. Same mm -hmm. website, same time of day, sitting next to each other, they'll get a different ad unit. That's pretty cool. Now, did you have ties to, how did you open some of those doors? Did you guys know some people? Did your dad know some people? Yeah. Like, how did you kind of, how did you kind of wiggle your way in there? So my partner in that business was actually asked to run for Congress. He had okay, started so a very successful internet okay. company. Okay. And he was an extremely high net worth guy. And they said, hey, we want you to run for Congress. Okay. And he said, no, he's like, I'm too honest for that. You know, he's a too <laughs> honest guy to be in Congress. But, you know, then he said, well, wait, what do your clients do for online advertising? And, you know, the, the consultants at the uh, time were like, oh, uh, we don't really know what we're doing. And that's where the idea came from. I see. Very uh, good. Very, very cool. There. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You guys exited that with a successful exit or what happened? 
Yeah, so yeah, very successful exit. Um, we basically ran it for 10 years and we were able to, what we did on the ad tech side also was we plugged the data into 30 or 40 different places. So mm. all the major, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they all had our political data. And so we also added healthcare into the mix okay. a couple of years into it. So instead of political files, we bought ailment and prescription data. It was HIPAA compliant opt-in data. Mm. And so mm. we started working for hospitals and health systems and pharma companies, and we sold addressable healthcare advertising. Mm. Mm. Okay. What year did you exit? 2017. 2017 who bought yep. who ha, yeah um, we were purchased by a company called Altice it was actually Cablevision okay so, um Cablevision bought our company and what we had done in that point was we had done cable tv uh, targeting as well so we we did something with the cable companies where we could target the same user with a cookie a device id or their cable box mm, so Cablevision uh, bought us and because they wanted to just roll that into their ad stack so this is how Panther Opportunity Fund got started because now you had some cash and now you're an investor. Is that yes. is that it? That's exactly <laughs> it. I'm very okay. Let me add how fortunate I am for this whole thing. You know, I was very lucky to be able to. I quit right away after we were acquired. I had already started the cannabis thing a couple of years earlier, and so. I was like, ah, it's time for me to invest my own capital. Okay. I wanted to actually learn venture capital really, really well. So that's why I joined the Panther Opportunity Fund. So uh, I could just learn a lot about it. Okay. So Panther Opportunity Fund. Now that wasn't yours. That was already, that was, that, you weren't a founder there. I well, well, so there was a previous fund. Um, so let me back up a sec. Yeah, we go started ahead. A, uh, I went out to California in 2014 and I tried to start an advertising business. It was too early. Nobody could afford what we were selling. Instead, we started a business called the Cannabis Rep Network. It was independent sales reps. So we were like, we're not growers, we're not retailers, but we know business. And so we talked to these guys and none of them had sales reps and none of them had enough marketing and, and, and you know sales distribution. So we started a sales rep business and okay. we started taking product into stores in California. You contractors, so, you're just like, you're just like, Hey, I can find, I can, I can supply you with 1099 sales guys. Here you go. Yeah. And we could get you into more stores. Everybody, okay. so everybody had the greatest weed on, on earth, right? I've met the best weed grower 150 times, you know, <laughs> like, that guy makes good weed too. And so does that guy. <laughs> but no, yeah. hold on. Let me, but let me, let me make sure I understand. So now 2014 was before you exited your company. Yes. Um, but you were already, you were already thinking, okay, I'm getting ready to move on. I'm thinking about my next, my next steps, all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We what, okay. This out. Okay. Why cannabis though? What, what, how, how the hell did you get from Google AdWords to, yeah. uh, okay. Cablevision is going to buy us. And then poof, I'm going to go out to California and like supply sales reps to cannabis. Like, that happen? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so in, the Marijuana Policy Project is a nonprofit that runs ballot initiative ads in many states. Okay. They're actually responsible behind the scenes for a lot of the legal things that we have today because they basically fought the fight with the state reps and wrote the bills. Okay. And so they became a client of mine in 2014. Uh, oh, there it is. There's, yeah, there it so is. Okay. I was actually running ads in Alaska. Okay. So, yes. And I, I see her, a female with one ad, a male with a different ad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's, so it passed in 2014 in Alaska. And so I immediately was like, well, what's going to happen in 2016? Mm. And in 2016, we had a good chance. We felt like California would be ready. 
Okay. And so we started, we said, let's go out to California because they're going to switch from medical to adult use in 16. Okay. So that's when markets really take off. Mm-hmm. I see. That's how it happened. So were you a cannabis guy? Like, were you, were you like, uh, I mean, you know, were you like a, a cannabis consumer, a big cannabis yes. fan, a cannabis advocate, any of that? Yes. So it's, I became, so yes, I became a, a very big fan of cannabis around the time I joined my fraternity uh, in college, you know, uh, you know what I mean? And um, I just realized yeah. that uh, I, I enjoyed it more than alcohol. Actually, I got okay. better grades when I, I got better grades when I stopped drinking as much and smoked a little more weed, but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, then, you know, what happened was, okay. After I got out of college, I just was, you know, I, I wasn't focused on this at all, but I saw things changing over time. Okay. I saw the politics of it change. Okay. And I thought, you know, it's a dumb law anyway. You know, it shouldn't be illegal. Yeah. And I thought eventually it'll get changed. So okay. I became an advocate. Okay. okay. Okay, great. All right. I was wondering what the tie in there was and so forth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how was your dad, by the way? Were you, is, your, is your dad passed or is he still? Yeah, he passed. Passed. Okay, but but he knew he was still alive when you got into cannabis. I'm guessing. Um, barely. No, no. I'm actually no. no. Okay. It was before okay. that. He he got no. It was uh, it was okay. a long time ago. So yeah, okay. I'd gotten into the political thing. But my mom, my mom's around and she thinks it's great. And she's a she? patient. She's a patient now, and I've got okay. Her. I used to hide it from her for many years. Now she's a very a, a good advocate. <laughs> what the first conversations when you're like, hey mom, look, here's the deal. I'm gonna go to California and I'm gonna like start this business to supply sales reps to cannabis. How'd that conversation go? It was very interesting. You know, I, I spent many years just hiding and not telling my mom or whatever. And like, she was very, to her credit, I just gave her a lot of information and I would send her articles and she realized that it was not not what she was taught. You know, we were all taught something wrong many years ago and and now it's been correct. It's correcting itself, which was very exciting. Have you ever smoked with her? No. No, not really. No. One time yeah. we did. I mean, I brought her, I bring her stuff and, and she, but we don't do it to get in now. It'd just be, yeah, it would just be odd, wouldn't it? It would be for me. Yeah. I would be like, okay, this feels weird. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, one time though, she, we, we were on this phone call and she's a cancer survivor and I had a nurse oh. on the phone and the nurse said, yes, Mrs. Berman, you should definitely be a patient. Here's what I recommend. And she calls me up and says, listen, that's great, but where am I going to get any of this stuff? Like, I don't, you know, I don't live in California. I said, mom, I'll be over in 15 minutes. I got it. And she's like, oh, you have those vape pen things. I'm like, yeah, I got them. You know? And so, uh, and now she's, uh, you know, she's a happy patient. She's doing well. Yeah. Very good. Okay. All right, cool. Thanks for tying all of that together. Okay. So you're in California. Let's go. Now let's jump back up. You, you, you start this uh, I guess it would be almost like a, like a staffing, like a staff, almost like a staffing firm, kind of, right? Sort of. It was outsourced sales reps, actually. Okay. So what we would do right. is we would take four to five products in a time and we would take them okay. into 50 stores in LA or All 50 right. stores in San Francisco. And we would charge the brand for that exposure. And then we would cool. go in and meet with the owners of the store, the bud tenders and say, try this edible, try this oil. And then they would say, great, I'll take three cases of it. And that, that's how it turned into distribution. Mm, very good. Okay, cool. And what was the, what was that LLC or what was that company name? What'd you run that under? Um, that was called Calyx, C-A-L-Y-X, okay. Calyx Distribution. Okay. Okay. I believe it's, it's still around today, although we, uh, we exited that company in 2018 or 19. Oh, now you, oh that's, a, that's your second exit. Was that one successful too? 
Not quite as much as the first, Steve. <laughs> I always tell it like it is, man. Uh, it was it was not an easy. It was a difficult time, actually, okay. uh, in those days. And it was, you know, California was very, you know, crazy to do business in. And so mm. we faced a lot of pressure. And um, we had a Canadian firm come in and say, we want to just take all of it. And so we sold all of it. And, um, you know, they okay. took over and the rest okay. is history. Okay. Then what'd you do? What was next for Scott? So uh, then it was the venture fund. So the guy that, that invested in my um, startup is uh, a doctor, a physician out of Atlanta, very successful entrepreneur. And he had had a, a previous fund. He had started the Panther Fund and it had just gotten going. And I called him up and I said, I want to invest and I, you know, I want to learn from you. He okay. introduced me to his son, who's now my business partner, Jordan Tripp. Okay. Um, and so the three of us and two other guys basically started investing through the Panther Fund. Ah. And uh, that was 2017. And so we've had four and a half, five years of that fund. Um, we've looked at over 700 companies, invested wow. in 16 out of that fund. Um, the other fund, between the, the two funds and our personal investments, we have about 43 to 45 investments in the space. And they're in 22 different sectors. So, so is the Panther is the Panther Group and the Panther Opportunity Fund. Is it two different funds? Two different. How, how, yeah. Explain the yeah. Tell me the difference sure. here. So the Panther there, there's three funds actually. Uh, the okay. first fund was called TL Partners. Second fund is Panther Opportunity Fund. Now we have our third fund called the Panther Micro Fund. Okay. So that's our third venture fund. Last year we decided to split off the Panther Group because. What happened was we were getting hired to do a lot more than the fundraising, strategic uh -huh. advisory, uh, outsourced CFO services. I we've see. done a few mergers. We've taken one company public. Um, we have a lot of connections in the space. So we were able to make a lot of strategic introductions to people. And we were getting hired to do this as consultants. Mm. Additionally, I was getting hired to do the marketing and data and advertising side of it. And so the more that we got you know, hired after the money came in, we realized we had another business besides the venture fund. So, my partner, so we split it off and created the Panther Group now. Okay, gotcha. And how many people involved in the Panther Group right now today? Uh, I believe there's nine or 10. I think okay. there's, yeah, a couple are part-time, but uh, we're based in Atlanta. Okay. And um, you know, we have a great team, really exciting. Give us the overview. Give me the three-minute elevator pitch for the Panther Group. And by the way, I like the, the video that you have on the website. For it's a, it's a nice little video that you got there that basically walks everybody through exactly what you guys do. Nice. Love that. And for the listeners, it's called it's thepanthergroup.co. Thepanthergroup.co. Um, it's got a nice about us page, a nice video overview. But in your own words, give us the three-minute elevator nice. pitch. Go for it. Thanks, man. So yeah, so there's three main pillars to the group. One is the fundraising. So we do have our fund. We also have SPV opportunities where we bring, we have a couple of hundred investors that have done deals with us. So we, okay. we put together interesting deals and we shop them around to people in our world. Um, we work with family offices. We work with other VCs in the space. And so we like to syndicate deals and bring money in. Mm -hmm. Second pillar of the Panther Group is strategic advice. Um, a lot of CFO, a lot of financial services, helping with pitch decks, helping with a B round and an exit, okay. um, but also just finding the right vendors, you know, um, finding the right people to do business with across the, the whole ecosystem of cannabis. So that's part two. And then part okay. three is devising 
marketing and data solutions. So a lot of these companies are underinvested in sales and marketing, and they all say the same thing. If we can finish our fundraise, we will, we will put more money into marketing and data yep. Yep. and tell us how to do it. And so then I come in and design marketing campaigns, you know, that are digital campaigns, but also data centric so that we can increase their market share and customer acquisition. Can you, so, okay, very good. So, so if, if we start a cannabis company, if somebody I know starts a cannabis company, you guys can help us from start to launch really, cause you can help us all the way from building the original pitch deck to raising the cash, to getting the operation set up, to starting the sales and marketing. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, it is very accurate. And it's actually a key selling point for the Panther Group is that we have experience across the entire life cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, we've invested in pre-revenue deals that are, that are software related. We have vertically integrated things that aren't built yet. We also have a company that's a hundred million dollar valuation that might go public in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and, we, and between the team members, one of my partners also in the fund is an M&A specialist for 25 oh. years. Great. And so he's able to take the company and say, you know, we're going to exit. We have a buyer. Let's negotiate. Mm-hmm. And so we love to be able to, like, you know, I, I compare it to children. You know, I'm a dad. And so there's there's infants, there's toddlers, there's teenagers and there's adults. And these companies need advice all along the way. It's such a new yes. industry. Yes. And depending on what market you are, you might have a one or two year old company that needs everything. Or yep. you might have a 10 year old company that's trying to go public. And so yeah. we have experience to help you all along the journey. What's my return on the investment side? Eight, eight, 10, 12? How, how soon? Sure, yeah. sure, <laughs> sure, Steve. It's 12, 12X 12 on the deal. <laughs> yes. I'll call you after we finish recording. <laughs> you know, it's it's an interesting question and, and it's different for every different sector. So I mentioned that, you know, we have lab testing, we have software, we have grow operations. So the, the multiples and the exit potential are really different depending on, you know, the scale of the operation and the sector that you're in, um, you know, and also the timing of it. Yeah. So many things are overpaid for in the early days and then prices yes. come down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prices still coming down, you think? Well, maybe, but maybe not. So again, it depends on the sector. So I yeah. also have, I'm, I'm a big fan. Of, I always will bring it back to politics, Steve. Every time, because it's my North Star here. And basically, based on the political changes, both locally and nationally, that will really affect the prices of businesses. Because, you know, there's certain rules like the tax rule, the 280E, and the bank safe banking rule. If either one of those things gets fixed anytime soon, everybody's price goes up. Yep. Yeah. Game changers if those, if those, uh, if there's tweaks there. let me ask you this, if this is a fair question, you know, there's, there's like, if you, if you look up cannabis consulting, like if you just Google cannabis consulting, I mean, you know, everybody's, you know, all these people on LinkedIn, they're all cannabis consultants and they all have their little companies. I mean, there's a million of them, right? These days, it feels like it. Yes. What is, what is the special, is the, is the special sauce sauce for you, the, the fact that you have the investor relations and the knowledge to go from beginning to end to get a to get a business set up is that the special sauce or how would you describe yeah. it i think that's definitely a big part of it you know p- part of it is that we have the experience and we've looked at 700 deals you know that's part of yeah. it we understand yeah. the sector and where it's headed we have a lot of experience in the very mature states 
like Oregon and California and Colorado. And so we can sort of look at Michigan and, and Massachusetts and Maine and understand where they're headed because of having investments in all those other places. Okay. The, the okay. other part is I think having the 22 or 23 different sectors really sets us apart. You know, we have plant touching assets, we have software, we have trade shows that we're invested in. And oh, we also okay. serve on the board of a lot of these companies. So we have a lot of influence on how they operate. You serve on the board plus an equity stake in some yes. cases? In many cases, yes. Is that part of your model? If you, if you help somebody out in the early stages, do you say, hey, look, I'm going to give you a break on the consulting services, but you're going to, you're going to give us an equity stake in this deal? Yes. Okay, very good. Okay. Okay. Very good. Awesome. Who's and, your, and can you? Sorry. One thing, Steve, one thing that's really nice to hear a lot of this time is that there's a lot of money out there and people say to us, you know, we can get money from here or there, but we, we really want Panther group because of, of the other things that you represent besides the money, because mm. we have the data, the data and advertising is a big part of it. Uh, everybody gets excited about that, but also the ability to handle a merger or the ability to raise money at a higher valuation or to fix mm -hmm. corporate governance mm -hmm. or all those things. So that, that makes us more valuable than the actual check size that we bring in. Have you ever met executives from a cannabis company that weren't in a messy situation? No, not really. <laughs> that's, that's why it's uh, fun. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, there's plenty of business for you, uh, right, to uh, go around. I mean, by the way, no, 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 no offense to any of my cannabis executive friends, but yeah, most of them are messy. But you know, the reality is most companies are messy to a certain degree. Forget about yes. just cannabis. I mean, yes. out of all the companies I've either ran or been a part of, or was an executive in or consulted for, I mean, hell, I mean, you know, everybody is messy to a certain degree, yes. right? Especially uh, early, early on, you know, yeah. it's, it's tricky. Yeah. It's a tricky space. It's not easy. And, you know, there's a lot of growing pains. What's 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 what crazy situation? Give me a good story. Like you're, I don't know, you're like uh, early on, you're helping with cannabis, and I don't know, some guy pulls up in a van with like a million dollars worth of cannabis and opens it. I don't know, something crazy. Give me, give me well, a good one. Give me a good story. I'll tell you, the, the distribution business was a challenge out in California because every township had different rules. Okay. And so one time, uh, our driver was driving through somewhere to get somewhere. And he broke down or something and the cops came and to help him. And then they found a whole bunch of product in his car and they arrested him and took the car. And he's like, I worked for a distribution business. I'm on my way to Oxnard and I had to buy drive through whatever. And so he got, so we had to go down. So someone went down to the, to the uh, yard where the car was towed and said to the guy, listen, I left some things in my car, whatever. And, you know, and we, and we took, we took the weed out of the trunk. You know, it was, it was totally like kind of in it. It was art, you know, legally we were transporting. We had a license. It wasn't an illegal product or anything, but like, we were like, well, are they going to keep this stuff, you know, and for months, you know, there's product in the car. They got to get to the store. So I said, send someone down there and talk to the guy and tell him you got, you left something in the trunk. <laughs> oh man. You got the charges dropped for the kid, I guess. It, it was no charge. You know what? There was oh. no charges. Like eventually they're like, Oh yeah, you guys were, you know, it just took them. It was just screwy. You know, they, we were legally allowed to do it, but it was just, it was just a wacky situation. You live in Pennsylvania, right? I do. Yeah. What's it? What's the, I don't even know what, I don't even know what the, is it, is it med medicinal there medical, or what? Yeah. Yeah. We have a medical program here. It's a pretty strong program. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. And it's going well and hopefully it'll flip over to adult at some point, but you can't, it's not recreational like Colorado where you can just go down to the, not yet. 
Don't you think it's just absolutely absurd that if I go to Texas and get pulled over that I can do jail time for the same stuff I have here in color. I mean, I just think that's crazy. I think that's, I, I just think about that. I'm like, wow, there are actually human beings in other States getting arrested every single day and, and, and put in jail for stuff we're doing in Colorado. What's yes. no big deal. I just think that's crazy. It's really crazy. And this is why I'm still a big advocate because we still got a ways to go. We made a lot of progress in many States, but there's many States that haven't made any progress. There's still people getting locked up for no reason. Um, we're wow. part of something called the last prisoner project. Actually, it's oh. a, give a plug for them. They're trying to get every single person out of jail that's in jail right now for cannabis. Yes, and please. So we, we were just yep. raising money for them in Vegas and it's a really good cause. And of course we know that like, you know, 80 to 90% are minority and, and, yep. you know, yep. that's a big problem. And so this is why the advocacy is so important to us is because the laws need to change before we can all make a, a bunch of money. We need to get the laws fixed. Totally and agree. certain States we've done a great job in, but we, but this it's so weird the dichotomy between a Texas and a Colorado, and That's, it doesn't make any sense. The fact that there's even people in Colorado in prison for something that happened with marijuana before it was passed legally, like I just can't imagine being one of those guys sitting in a jail cell knowing that you can go right down to the street and buy marijuana now in Colorado. Meanwhile, they're still sitting in jail for. That is that I feel terrible for those people. I, I feel really bad for those people. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I'm glad you gave the plug out. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, OK. Um, yeah, it's a, it's um, we're headed in the right direction. Still got a long way to go, just like you said. And you guys are positioned, you know, right now to help uh, people yeah. do that. Which but Politically, which is, things are better than ever, though, in ways, you know, because you have something else that's about to happen. And that is New York and New Jersey. Well, in New York, I thought New York. Oh, New York's only medicinal, right? No, they they actually voted adult use in. It oh, hasn't oh, been right. implemented yet. But oh, they, oh, okay. So, so both of these markets were the smallest, some of the smallest medical markets in the country. They're both now flipping to adult use. Okay. Jersey will be first, and then New York will be next year. And so, what that's going to do, and the East Coast is already getting a lot busier between okay. Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont. And now you're going to have New York, Jersey, hopefully PA, and you have an enormous amount of population that right now doesn't have access and will very soon. And that's going to have a seismic effect, similarly to what happened out West. So first you had Colorado and then Colorado was the big deal. Then you had California and Washington and Oregon and uh, Nevada. And now it's just like, you know, it's basically everywhere out West. So it was a seismic shift. We're now undergoing the same seismic shift on the East Coast. And when it's fully realized, you're going to have, you know, another enormous, you know, part of the country that's fully adult use. You know, New York, you know, I just, by the way, did they pass only like, wasn't there like very few licenses or something like that? What, how many did they give us? Okay. Yeah, they, they just originally they only gave out, uh, I don't know, 10 to 15 in the beginning. I mean, that's um, just <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. And I, OK, I mean, how did you how did you get selected to get one of those first 15? You're telling me side deals weren't made behind the curtain in some dark room somewhere. I mean, come on. Sure. 
Oh yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on with licensing. Um, New Jersey had a lawsuit that lasted two years because mm. of the licensing process. They just resolved that. Um, and so yeah, every every place is different. There's always problems with it, you know. But eventually, it gets sorted out. It's just a yeah. question of how it's managed. Listen, Colorado, they were the tip of the spear. You know, they yeah. made a lot of mistakes, but they also were the first people to do it. Mm-hmm. And so every other state has tried to improve upon that model. You know, it's interesting when it was first passed uh, in Colorado, because that's where I live, Colorado. Uh, I thought to myself, I thought, okay, I haven't really smoked. Like, like I was one of those guys, like, um, I don't know, we'd go to a New Year's Eve party or maybe a special event or, or I'm at a, maybe I'm camping with the guys and somebody brought it, you know, like I would just occasionally if I was around it or somebody had it, I would do it, but I wasn't, I wasn't a regular uh, consumer at home, you know, as I, as I've grown up over the last 25, 30 years, whatever. I mean, in college, I smoked all the time, but that was a different life, you know, but anyway, my point is when it was first passed, I thought, wow, this, this is awesome. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll switch from my bourbon to, to weed now. (laughs) And, uh, and, and I just never, I, I mean, I still, I still like, I'll take it when I go camping or, you know, if I'm around some, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing. My point, my point is I didn't just, start smoking all the time when it was passed it was hard maybe because i was in i was in this pattern for 30 years and i just kind of stayed on my same pattern but i remember telling my wife when it first passed like i thought i was going to change all my behaviors and i was gonna but now i still just drink my beer and you know it's 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 uh but I, i do partake and i do love the fact that i can partake without worrying about anything now it's yeah. interesting when i when i go camping in the colorado mountains sometimes i cross over to the wyoming state line and i go up to wyoming and go camping and every single time i cross the state line i'm like okay well yeah what, what if i get pulled over with this what, what happens i don't know i don't know what happens right <laughs> i know it's a big uh, deal man i i was when i fr- finally got my medical card in pennsylvania it was a big yeah. relief i bet right I mean, you know because all those years of driving around thinking i hope i don't get yes. pulled over right now and you know, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I have a card. I'm a patient. You know, it's, it was, it was definitely, it felt better from like a moral standpoint, almost like, I don't, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't break the law. <laughs> you know? What do you, what do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you girls think about your, your business? That's oh, a good question. You know, and it's funny because in the beginning I didn't talk about it much. <laughs> um, when <laughs> but they, they were knew, young, they, but they knew, they knew, they knew, but they also knew I was involved in politics. And so okay. I explained to them early on that I'm part of, trying to make the laws change and okay. i don't think these laws are correct and they knew it you know they were old enough to understand it and so i said you know i'm gonna i'm an advocate and i'm gonna help the laws get changed and i also just kept it you know pretty low key didn't talk you know didn't put it on linkedin for a while didn't put it on facebook just like everybody and, else was yeah everybody else yeah. Was the same thing. yeah you know yeah. and i just wanted to be a little little cool about it i had little girls and um you know so the older that they've gotten, though, the more they understand that it's fine, you know, and yeah. it's like, you know, and they and, you know, once they got over 21, 22 years old, it's like, hey, if you, you know, if you want to become a patient, if you, you know, that's OK. You know, I, I'm, I'm adamant that no one when they're too young should not have access. It's got to be over 21 all the time. But once you're an adult, then it's just the same as anything else, really. Make your own yep. choices. When you up and up in uh, the, where you live. Uh, when you go to like a social party or whatever, like a social gathering, I don't know, whatever wedding, birthday party, I don't know, friends, friends place. Uh, are, are all your friends like Scott, man, Scott's in the weed business. It's so cool. You know, Scott, Scott, talk to us. Tell us about it. 
I got to admit, Steve, it's kind of cool. cool. People, uh, you know, people are very interested in what I'm up to. And I, I, I'm very grateful. Honestly, a lot of people want to ask my opinions on things and and have me help them. And I really enjoy helping people and bringing them into the space. You know, it's like, Hey, come on in. There's a lot of opportunity and you know, it's, it's fun. You know, I, I'm not going to compare it to any other job, but it is exciting and fun and interesting. Now it's got to be. It's, there had to be some times when you're at that birthday party, and one of the dads are like, "Hey, man, do you, you got any like you got anything on you? Can we go?" It happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I went to an engagement party the other day. I met the groom for the first time, and his his gal says she goes. He goes, "Oh, I hear you. Uh, you're in the weed business. Yeah, nice to meet you. Congrats on getting engaged." He's like, "Hey, do you, can we do that?" So now we're we're walking down by the tree, and ten minutes into meeting the guy, we're smoking up. That's so good. That's so great, man. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, uh, I want to ask you a couple more uh, uh, questions really quickly. Um, so now you're you're comfortable on LinkedIn. You're comfortable whatever, like social media. You know, hey, this is business I'm in. Do you ever get political on your social media? Do you ever do you ever like step out and like I'm gonna like oh I'm gonna you know say this or that? I'm gonna take a side on some hot topic. You you know you careful no. about that? Yeah, no. careful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't put my opinions on politics out. I, I lived in politics for ten years, and it was a tough business. And I realized that everybody's got their own opinions and, about things. I mean, I will talk about cannabis legalization okay. and okay. support that, but um, I don't get into any other things really. What about these? What about I asked a lot of this question a lot lately with anybody coming on the podcast. What do you think about founders and CEOs going on social media and blasting out? their thoughts on whatever the hot topic is for the month. <laughs> not a good, right. I- no, not a good not idea. Not a good idea. No, <laughs> I, I, unless you're talking about the subject of which you are an expert and you're a business person, you know, if it affects my business and I can talk, I could talk about cannabis legalization and make sense. Right. Right. Exactly. I'm not going to sit and talk about gun control or whatever. Control. Yeah. Anything, yeah. Anything else? Because first of all, it's too divisive. I'm a, I like to bring people together and, and yeah. politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like to be friends with everyone, Steve, you know, and yeah, like, me too, bro. Start to talk about politics, especially in the last couple of years. You know, it's like, are you for Trump? Are you against Trump? Whatever. I'm like, I don't talk about it. I, I talk yeah. about it with my children. I talk about it before Election Day, who we're voting for. But anybody else, I just, you know, kind of leave it alone. I have been pressured by a few people uh, lately, you know, like, oh, you got a podcast. You guys got a decent following. You should, it's your responsibility. I love that. I love that word. I love that word when it's shoved on me. It's your responsibility to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm like, no, no, no. no. First of all, first of all, our day job is a recruiting firm and that's how we pay the bills. And I'm not going to go online and piss off a potential client. That's number one. (laughs) Uh, Number, number two, I'm just like you, like I, I have opinions on things. I sure I have opinions and we can talk about them over beers, but I'm not going to like, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not going to like uh, demonize anybody for any certain beliefs. I'm like, I'm happy to talk about it. You like, I always use this example. I'm like, look, if you like the color yellow and I like the color purple, that's cool. Whatever. We can talk about it. We don't have to like be yeah. mad at each other though. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a rough time, actually. I mean, you know, being in politics for all those years, it just it's just very divisive. It's gotten worse, it is, man. It's you know, we, we, we're, we're being told to switch sides. Are you red? Are you blue? Are you? I'm like, I'm an American. You know, I love my my fellow Americans who no matter who they voted for. Agreed. And, no matter yeah. who they voted for. I 
We can have a beer. I don't care who you voted yeah. for. It's all good. Yeah. And look, it's also that this pandemic has separated a lot of people too. And I keep my views to myself on that as well. You know, I do my own thing for my own health and you can do your own thing. And that's, you know, that's the way it should be, I believe. And I I totally agree. I don't understand people hating each other for that either. I'm like, look, man, you do whatever you want. Like, you know, mask, no mask, whatever you, I don't care. Whatever you thought, you know, I'm not going to be mad at you for whatever you're doing. Don't be mad at me. Yeah. We need to be uh, less mad at each other and more compassionate. Less mad, please. Less, less yes. divisive. Like, come on, man. It's okay. It's okay to. It's okay to disagree. It's cool. Yes. Yes. It is <laughs> what okay happened, to what, disagree. It's okay to disagree. What happened to like friendly conversations? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, don't know. Uh, last couple of questions. You were almost out of time. Um, so, gr- congratulations, by the way, on on being an entrepreneur early on right and grabbing keywords like I remember, that must have been crazy you're talking about yeah i do keywords on google and people are like huh well, they don't even know what that is i mean congratulations on grabbing that early what a, what an awesome uh, uh you know insight to see what that opportunity and make money off of it then you had a successful exit uh you know great congrats uh, Thank you. um and then you had the balls to move into cannabis uh, and become an investor and take, take some risk. I mean, that was a risk. You could have probably just taken the money off that first exit. I don't know, put it in some boring fund, bought a house down in Florida. I don't know, be a consultant for whatever. Like you could have done that. Right. Yes. Instead you're, uh, you know, you had the balls to, to jump into cannabis and take some more major risks. Uh, congrats. I mean, really impressive career, impressive career. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. When you think, when you say it like that, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know, to me, it was just kind of one day at a time, like what's going to be next and all. But um, yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've actually been super fortunate to surround myself with super quality people, smart awesome. businessmen and women, really yeah. nice people. I only work with good people. And, Amen, um, yeah, and I, I really enjoy the relationships and the journey that I've had. I've met a wonderful people and you know, I always love meeting new people and meeting you is great. And I appreciate the time today. It's just, you know, it's, it's fun for me, but it's also just, I love the building the relationships that I've had too. Totally agree. Last, last uh, question for you at this stage in your life, at this point now, if you had to define your core purpose in life, you know, because as we get older, like especially me and you were in our mid fifties. And so as we get older, we kind of, we do, we, there's more reflection. There's more, at least yeah. for me, there is, as I get older, I'm like, okay, so what am I, what, what was my life? What was my journey here for? What, what am I doing on this, this planet? If you had to define your core purpose right yeah. now in life, what would that sound like? It's a really excellent question, by the way. Um, you know, and I think it's changed. Like you say, getting older, you know, my core purpose for a long time was raising my daughter's. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a single dad too. So, you know, divorced. Okay. And so I'm like, I gotta be a good dad for a long time. And now, you know, they're older. And so that things have shifted. I think um, my, my main overall purpose is helping people and making people, you know, have a better day and a better life. I'm, I'm in, I'm a Buddhist. And so I, I believe in, cool. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm into mindfulness and helping, you know, people with whatever, whatever it is, helping them make it, make their day better, um, you know, giving them comfort and compassion and also knowledge. You know, I, I love the idea that I'm able to 
bring people into this space and educate them on the plant, but also how to run a business. I have a lot of employees are all much younger than me, which is great. And so like getting them, you know, bringing them into this world and teaching them how to be, you know, businessmen and women, forget cannabis, just how to operate and, and run your life and, and, and build a career. I really enjoy that part of it. Man. And, you know, yes, I do want to create wealth for, for a lot of these people too and myself. Cool. So, so that's a nice part of the purpose, but I think overall, like the journey of, of the friendships and the camaraderie and building things together, I think that's a big part of what gets me up every day. I love it. You know, I'm not surprised that you're a Buddhist like that. Your presence, your presence is very uh, uh, warm, right? Your presence is very warm um, compared to a lot of entrepreneurs and cannabis people I meet, you know, which a lot of them are super cocky, super strong type A. Uh, you know, yours is not like that at all, which is awesome. Okay. Now I Thank said you. that was the last question, but now I got to get a funny one in here. Sure. So I didn't know you were a single guy. So <laughs> being, being single, entrepreneur and cannabis i mean that's a great line yeah. right you're, you're just like all you got to do is like go to the bar and you you're like hi how you doing you know my name's scott by the way i'm in cannabis and boom you're just picking up chicks left and right <laughs> it, it, well i wouldn't say it's that easy but it's certainly it's easier than i said i was in political advertising right it helps <laughs> it's like now i'm in the weed business oh really okay yeah so it oh doesn't hurt God. the situation but um yeah no it's fun it's, i love it's it fun to bring it out people are interested Scott, thank you so thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it.